Welcome back, Rams fans. I'm Vinny Bonsignor with The Athletic, joined by my athletic colleague, Rich Hammond. And this is 11 Personnel, your Rams podcast, your definitive Rams podcast to talk about uh, everything with the blue and gold and white and blue, whatever you want to, whatever colors they might be wearing uh, this particular day. And they're coming off a, a kind of a close win, kind of a weird win over the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Rich, how are you doing? Uh, have you been able to uh, digest what happened on Sunday night in Cleveland? Yeah, it, it wasn't. It, it didn't go down very well for Rams fans, I don't think. A little, a little uh, indigestion, I guess you would say. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a win. I, I thought as the game ended, you know, Vinny, I thought about our, our podcast guest from last week and Kevin Demoff. The last thing he told us was, yeah, I'll come back if we win the game. And, you know, the Rams are in dire straits there. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we're never going to get Kevin back on the podcast like this is it. So and by the way, I want to thank people for their for their great response to that episode. That one uh, only went out to our subscribers. So if, if you haven't been able to listen to that episode with Kevin Demoff, I'd, I'd really encourage you uh, to, to subscribe to, to listen to that. He gave us so much uh, amazing info. Uh, about what's going on with the team and, and all the different uh, aspects of, of running an organization. So really, really grateful that, that he took that time. But uh, yeah, a fascinating game, Vinny. I know we're going to go into some of the details, but uh, a win's a win. You improved to 3-0 and in a tough Sunday night uh, environment. And Vinny, what, what was that like? I, I think people maybe don't understand, and I don't understand either. I'm not blaming you know our, our listeners, but uh, when when you're not in that environment and you don't hear the noise or the environment of that sort of thing, uh, what was it like out there? It looked like it was a pretty wild night. Yeah, very, very loud. Um, you know, the Browns, fan, Browns fans had been really looking forward to this game probably since the moment it was put on the schedule to get, you know, the defending uh, NFC champions in your house on a Sunday night, you know, the big stage, and it was all, all, all to themselves. And so just walking around town and, and at my hotel, there were a bunch of Browns fans that, that came in, um, you know, for the game. And they were ready to rock and roll, and they certainly were. They certainly made their presence felt. You know, Baker Mayfield put a call out to Browns fans to make life difficult for the Rams, and they, and they did. And I think you saw that early on. There were some communication uh, issues that the Rams had to iron out. Um, you know, you have a young offensive line, and it really starts there, especially with the communication, because you have to get your blocking assignments correct at the line of scrimmage. You have to get your snap count, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage. You have to be in sync with your quarterback. There's a lot uh, on on the plate for a young offensive line um, at, at three positions, and I think that that showed, and I think it's kind of showing throughout the year so far. Um, this is an offense that is a, a, definitely a work in progress. We're seeing that. Now, um, but thankfully, you know they put together a pretty darn good defense. That's that's kind of been able so far to hold down the fort uh, and and give the offense just enough time to to get their act together each game and and to move to three and zero. I think that's huge. I, I remember talking to a lot of people who were wondering if the Rams were gonna you know get through these first three three games with a win, let alone going three and zero. It's an achievement and it's something that you can't um, you know overlook, especially. You know, while the offense hasn't quite gotten it together yet, but there's fixable problems, I think, uh, for the most part, or at least problems, issues that they can work around. 
uh, and to, to still be 3-0, and knowing that you can get better uh, is, is a pretty big deal. And I think the Ram fans need to keep that in mind. But yeah, it was, it was loud and it was crazy uh, in Cleveland. Yeah, you mentioned the start, Vinny. I saw right before the start of the season, maybe right before the first game, an ESPN computer projection that said the Rams are going to start 0-3. And, and I went... Okay, well, that would be a problem for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. So, uh, yeah, again, I I agree. I think people forget sometimes how hard it is to win games in the NFL, especially on the road. Um, And I understand there's issues, and and we're going to talk about those, and we're going to get specifically into the offense and some of the things that, that might be going wrong. But they did win the game, and they won it largely for that because of that defense, as you said, Vinny. And you wrote a great story that, that's up right now on the Athletic, the the app, and the the desktop site. Uh, people can read all about kind of how that defense really saved the day, especially on that late fourth quarter stand when uh, the Browns only needed four yards to basically tie the game, and and they weren't able to get it. So. Uh, full marks to that defense for for what they did. And I, I think we're seeing it now, Vinny. I mean, we, we wondered at the start of the season uh, how that defense would evolve. They added a couple new pieces in Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews. They put in a young guy, Sebastian Joseph Day, in the middle. They lost in Dominican Sioux. Uh, so there were some moving parts to that defense, and I think we kind of wondered how it would look once it got on the field. And, and I think through three games... You can say pretty good. Uh, now, I'll put an asterisk on that because I'm not certain that they've faced the level of offenses that, that they're going to face going forward. Uh, clearly, playing New Orleans for most of that game without Drew Brees wasn't a tr- tr- true full test. Uh, playing a young quarterback in Baker Mayfield, he probably made some mistakes that a, that a veteran guy isn't going to make. So... Not ready to sit here and stamp them as the the best defense in the NFL or, or anything like that. But Vinny, I, I got the feeling even early in that game yesterday that even when the Browns were picking up some yards early, they, they were kind of gashing them a little bit on those slants and those real quick throws. I just kind of watched it and thought, you know what? I, I think Wade is going to figure this out. I, I think these guys are going to get it together and, and find a way to slow this down. And, and they did in the second half specifically. So how about that defensive evolution in that, in that game yesterday, Vinny? And, and did you see anything in particular that, that really impressed you? Well, um, you know, first and foremost, Clay Matthews absolutely still has uh, some gas left in the tank. I think I don't think there's any question about that. He's playing really well, getting pressure on the quarterback. I saw him drop back a couple of times in, in pass coverage. So you know, he was doing uh, pretty much everything last night. And and you know, you go back uh, the last couple of years for him, and you look at the production, you look at the sacks, and they've gone down. And you know, if you're just looking at the numbers, you're like, wow, you know, he's a declining player and. He just isn't what he used to be. I'm not saying that he is an NFL Defensive Player of the Year candidate anymore by any means, uh, but some of those stats were a little bit misleading in in how he was being used. He played a lot of inside linebacker last year. Um, You know, the defensive coordinator had him drop in coverage uh, quite quite a bit more than he had in his entire career, which when you're dropping back in coverage, you're just not going to be able to get to the quarterback. That's just impossible uh, to do. And he's a pass rusher, and I think that um, that's how Wade is using him, and you can see the effects uh, and the impact that he can have. So, you know, that's first and foremost. Um, Also, you know, what Eric Weddle brings to the back end of the defense and just in terms of communication and leadership for the entire defense – 
um, cannot be understated. Uh, he's he's you know really smart back there, and he's got uh, a, a, an equally smart defense. There's a lot of smart guys on this defense. That's the one thing that really stands about, out about this group. Um, he's got them in quick order all on the same page and it's it's pretty much pretty it's it's a sight to behold when you have smart players like John Johnson and Eric Weddle um you know Akib Talib uh um you know Corey Littleton Clay Matthews guys like that that are that are just on the same page and being able and Eric pointed it out to me he goes we're making adjustments and calls at the last second uh you know where I'll see something and I'll make a call that maybe we didn't even practice in practice or talk about during the week. But I'm thinking, okay, this is the right call right here. Let's go to here. And I have the confidence in my teammates that they're going to be able to pick it up and execute it. And you saw that a lot last night. Um, so I just see a really smart defense and a really talented defense. And, and being led by you know, one of the best defensive coordinators of all time, it's kind of the perfect marriage right now. And and. They're absolutely holding down the fort because, as we said, the offense just hasn't been able to find a consistent rhythm yet. And you know, you wonder when that happens, when the offense does does come around. You know, what kind of team we're going to be talking about at that point? Yeah, for sure. And I, I want to circle back to some of those individuals in in a second, but uh, the the numbers came out pretty good as far as the Rams' defense is concerned. Baker Mayfield, eighteen of thirty six, one hundred and ninety five yards. One touchdown, one interception. Odell Beckham Jr. was targeted nine times, six receptions, 56 yards. You will take that absolutely any day of the week. Uh, didn't get in the end zone. Didn't have a reception longer than 19 yards. Uh, on the ground, Nick Chubb, 23 attempts, 96 yards. No touchdowns. Again, didn't break anything. His longest run was 13 yards. So they really kept everything in front of them. Uh, you know, didn't get beat on, on any big plays, really. Uh, the, the one thing, Vinny, and, and I'm not going to take credit for this, Chris Collinsworth said it on the on the broadcast, and it was just, it was absolutely true. You know, the, they, they, the Browns were having some success early when they basically, you know, snapped the ball and threw it. It was just kind of like, snap throw, you know, just get it out of there as soon as they right. can. And, and Collinsworth said, any time Baker Mayfield has to drop back, he's in trouble, even if it's just even if it was a quick three-step bang, bang, bang drop, he was in trouble. And it was absolutely true, like every single time. It was a really astute observation fairly early in the game. And Vinny, I really think, and I like Baker Mayfield. I'm not I'm not trying to dump on the, the young guy. But I think you could really see it in the fourth quarter especially is any time those guys started to get near him, whether it was Aaron Donald or Brockers or one of the linebackers, that guy was bailing out of the pocket. He wanted no part of of hanging in there and, and seeing what was about to come. So to me, Vinny, that, that kind of turned things around maybe or even cemented it is it seemed like any time they were able to get through that offensive line, e- even if it wasn't a really grade A sack situation, it, it seemed like they really had Baker kind of on the run and, and thinking about you know what, what was about to come. And, you know, he's a guy that makes plays in those kind of situations. So um, you you also have to complement the back end of the defense. This is a really good secondary. We talked about it all throughout training camp. There were there was depth um, at cornerback. There was depth uh, at, at safety um, and talent, you know, uh, high-end talent. And so, you know, in like, for instance, we saw um, Monday night with Baker Mayfield when he had to, um, you know, roll out of the pocket or, or make plays on the moves against a Jets defense. He tore him apart. 
Uh, that's almost when he's at his best. Yet, against the Rams, because they had such good coverage as well, yeah, they gave up some passes, but as you mentioned, no, nothing big. You know, and when guys caught the ball, guys got tackled pretty quickly after they caught the ball, which is huge, and, and that's what separates, you know, a, a really good secondary from just, you know, a, an average one. Um, so, it was a it was a two headed monster for the Rams in terms of getting pressure on Mayfield, pushing him out of the pocket where sometimes he's stronger than when he is in the pocket, but not having many options downfield to to throw to thanks to a really solid effort again, you know, by the secondary. And you're talking about Talib and Peterson, Mar- you know, Marcus Peters, sorry, and uh, you know Weddle and John Johnson. Also have to mention. Taylor Rapp, that guy's come in and and he's just a baller, straight baller. I don't even think Marquis Christian got a defensive snap last night. So he's mm. so Taylor is definitely um, that that guy coming off the bench and playing a lot. I think he took over seventy percent of the defensive snaps. Uh, not bad for for a rookie. Um, and he was on the field in the most important part of the game and delivering in the most important part of the game. You know, uh, down in that in that goal line situation. So a lot of things going right uh, for the defense. And I you know I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Aaron Donald. I keep naming all these other guys, but not Aaron Donald who lived. In the Browns' backfield yesterday, he was just a monster. Uh, glad for him that he was able to get his first sack of the year. I know we we harp on sacks um, and and people, you know, even tackles and people like you know is, is Aaron Donald not playing well through the first two games of the season? And it's funny because to me, I think he's been as dominant as he's ever been, even without getting those type of signature uh, numbers. And and those numbers will come. We always know that that he will. But even without that, he's been making a huge impact just in in terms of. Um, you know the 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 pressure that he puts on quarterbacks, uh, how he wrecks helps helps wreck running games. So you know he's at the top of his game, and and as is this defense. And as we've mentioned, it's been much needed because the offense hasn't really quite shown up to, yet. Yeah, for sure, Vinny. Uh, you know it's good to mention Aaron Donald there, just because also you know there was some concern about him. He he's, he was a little limited during the the week because it was back issue but by the way but, by the way he yeah. cleared up he goes it's not really my back it's kind of my side so he he made a point afterwards he was like because you know uh somebody asked him about hey how's the back feeling he's like hey just so you guys know it's not really the back it's kind of the side so uh you know mm-hmm. it's noticeable but he's you know i don't think they come any tougher than than aaron donald so if there's anyone that's gonna be able to play through you know uh, some kind of a, a situation like that it's it's number 99 yeah, we used to have a thing covering the NHL where it was like if they if they said a guy had a shoulder injury, it was actually a knee, or <laughs> if they you know they, like you, you there was a little chart that you had to follow to see what the actual injury was. But yeah, I had actually seen. It's funny, I I don't remember where I saw it now, but I actually saw oblique mentioned uh, somewhere, and and I didn't mention it because I didn't I couldn't remember where I saw it or if it was even an official thing, but. Anyway, whatever it is, uh, it seems to be fine because, as you said, Vinny, Aaron Donald all over the place uh, ends up with four tackles, gets his sack, but they show it. And we talk about this every time and we could every time is, you know, the double teams that he draws, even, you know, a third guy some coming in and chipping him sometimes. So when you have to dedicate that much attention to one player, it not only says a lot about that one player, but it means a lot to the rest of that defense too. So uh, another great game for him. You mentioned Taylor Rapp. 
he did play 76% of the plays, 55 of 72. So it's hard to, it's almost hard to consider him a sub package guy at this point, just because he is on the field so much. And, and you're right, Vinny, uh, Marquis Christian did not uh, play a defensive snap. So you can kind of see, I, I think that's much more of a compliment to, to Taylor than it is any type of uh, statement against Marquis Christian. He's come in and, and done a good job. You, you did see a couple things. Maybe he got lost. Uh, on one play there where they almost uh, scored a touchdown. But he's a rookie. He's playing his third NFL game. I, I think it's fair to say that uh, he's he's above you know where you would expect to be at this point. So great to see and, and somebody I think they can rely on for, for a long time. And, Vinny, uh, when you talk about Eric Weddle, he, you know, we don't know what the future is going to be there. Uh, he, he comes in and who knows how long he's going to play. Uh, but I think it's clear that what he's brought so far is, is very valuable. And I wanted to circle back to, to something you said a couple minutes ago, and, and you also mentioned this in your story, is the idea that, that Weddle can almost be an on-field play caller. I mean, I, I, I don't know how deep you got into this with him yesterday, so I, don't, I hope I'm not setting you up for something <laughs> that you don't have, but I was fascinated to hear that. Uh, in terms of, I, I assume what he's saying there is that, you know, even if Wade signals something or, you know, Wade sees something, calls something before the before the huddle or what have you, that uh, Eric can almost has the freedom to call an audible in, in a way or, or maybe make a, at least some subtle adjustments if he sees something that that maybe Wade didn't see or that Wade couldn't see before they lined up. Do I have the read on that correctly? And and how do you think that that has evolved here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's that's exactly what happens, and uh, it doesn't happen like overly a lot, um, but enough, and and um, enough that it shows how important Eric Weddle is to that operation. Um, and you know, sometimes it's just a play here or a play there. Obviously, as we saw last night, uh, we're getting guys into the right call to, um, you know, to, to cover what, what he's seeing, uh, at the, at the line of scrimmage can be the difference in, you know, turning, turning a team back on third down and forcing a punt rather than giving up the first down or a touchdown. Um, so they're critical moments. And what fascinated me about it was that, you know, not only, is he making that call uh, or those type of calls, but he has the confidence in his teammates to be able to pick it up and make a change on the fly. Uh, because if you make the, if you make the call, it doesn't matter if, if, if other guys d- either didn't hear it or were, aren't on the same page or had forgotten about it. Because like he said, there were times when it's something that they didn't even have in the game plan. They didn't practice that week. He, now he pointed out, you know, we should all still always retain those that type of stuff, and we do. That's why I have the confidence that that we can get it done. But it's still a chance that he takes that, you know, not everyone's going to be on the same page. But he was, you know, highly complimentary of the rest of this defense that I know that they're going to be able to uh, figure it out. And not to mention the fact he said that they have the confidence in me to make those changes too. And that's as important as anything else is like, you know, they could be like, what are you doing? Why are we doing this? The coach said to call this, or that's the wrong thing, but they have confidence that in what he's seeing to get them into the right defensive coverage. And, and it just, it takes your defense to another level when you have somebody like that. And then the complimentary pieces around him that are just as intelligent to, to, to pick it up. So it's a big part of the Rams defense. And I think that we're seeing that. I mean, He's been he's he's already been a huge part uh, of this defensive success. I can, I see that continuing, but 
as he pointed out, a lot of lot of credit goes to the rest of the defense as well for being on the same page with him. All in all, I think a, a pretty impressive defensive performance, Vinny. Again, I'm not elevating the Cleveland Browns to to Kansas City Chiefs status or anything like that, but but you can only kind of grade what's in front of you. And I think what we saw is is a defense that won the game and a defense that that got better as the game goes along. And I think there's a lot of positives there. Uh, we've we've just run through them all. And uh, if that defense can stay healthy, which is always an issue for everybody, uh, I think they have a chance to to really improve and and really uh, kind of be a big part of the success this season. But we have to talk about the offense. So I, there, there might be somebody, I, you know, we're, we're going to ruin some people's lunch here maybe when, when we start talking about this. But the numbers weren't great, Vinny. Uh, you know, they end up with uh, 345 yards of offense. But uh, Jared Goff, 24-38, 269, uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions, also lost that fumble. Uh, on the ground, they averaged 3.8 yards per rush. Todd Gurley down to 3.1 uh, average on his 14 carries. Didn't have a rush longer than nine yards. Malcolm Brown, a little surprised. Only three carries. They had that kind of shared workload again, but we didn't see a whole lot of Malcolm. And MVP of the offense, once again, Cooper Cup. 12 targets. He caught 11 of them for 102 yards and two touchdowns and was just ridiculous on third down. I tweeted it out last night. I think he had like six catches for 60 yards and two touchdowns just on third down. So even even if he only played on third down, he would have been probably one of the better receivers in the NFL this uh, this week. So not great across the board, Vinny. And, and the, the stats don't even you know necessarily talk about the offensive line. Uh, we spent some time talking last week about Jamil Denby and how he had played well in that game. Uh, when he had to come in for Austin Blythe, it's a little bit, it's always a little bit of a different story when you kind of feel the pressure of going through a full week of practice, knowing that you're going to be quote unquote, the guy. And maybe you feel that a little bit, you start to think about it. And then you have to go out on the field and play four quarters at, at a high level. Um, so where do you see the issues there, Vinny? I, I know it's not just one thing we're, I know we're going to talk about Jared a little more in detail, but uh, as you watch those games develop, that game develop, if, if you had to kind of assign blame or talk about where things went wrong, uh, where where are you looking first? Well, first and foremost, um, I just don't like 38 passing attempts. Uh, that I, my eye goes right right to that. I think that's you know that's just too many uh, pass pass passes thrown, and it tells me that. Um, there's not a lot of confidence right now, or there wasn't at least last night in the running game. And I think it goes right to the, to the heart of the matter, uh, for, I think all of the struggles of the offense and that's the offensive line. Uh, they're not playing at a high level right now. Uh, and I think that that's affecting Sean McVay's play calling. Um, you know, you, you could draw up all the, the great plays that you want. You could have all the great play. You could be the best play caller, uh, in the world, but if you can't protect it, if you can't block it. Um, you're, you, you start getting a lot, you know, the, you're limited in the plays that you have at your disposal that you're confident can get blocked and be executed. And I think we saw that last night. He, you know, the run game was pretty much non-existent. You saw they had to try to do things on the, on the sweeps, on a, a double reverse that they, that, that they, um, you know, that they got, you know, a nice little gain from. They had to go away from what they normally like to do. 
And I think it's because Sean McVay is not all that confident that the offensive line right now is 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 able to to get that run game going, and that could be an issue. They need to get that squared away because the Rams, at their core, are a team that develops a running game. I know people like you don't have to run, you don't have to develop a running game. I still believe you do, especially in this offense. Uh, and then they play action off of that run game, and and when Jared's getting protected, he's got the ability to to, to you know cut a team up. Well, none of that's really happening right now, and and I think that teams are are starting to realize that, and they're paying less event, less attention on the run and more attention on on stopping getting to Jared Goff and, and and stopping the pass game. And so I don't like the thirty eight pass attempts, but I think it's there's a reason for that. And I, to reiterate, I, I don't think that there's a lot of confidence right now that Sean McVay has in that offensive line getting the job done in the running game. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Jared later and, and even about Sean um, a little bit later, but I agree. I, I think it's I think that's always where it starts. And I was thinking last night, I, I, I think even I, I've never played quarterback and, and I've never called plays <laughs> at a high level, but I, I have to think that gets in your head a little bit. Even if it's not explicit at the front of your mind, it, I think it's in the back of your mind a little bit, whether you're the guy calling the plays or whether you're the guy dropping back behind that offensive line, I, I, I can't think it totally gets out of your head, the fact that you've got three young guys right in front of you. And does that influence the way that you call plays? I think it probably does. Does it influence the way you play back there? I think it probably does a little bit. And I, and I think that's probably just human nature that it's going to do that. So uh, a, a couple things. I, I think we have to give credit to the Browns and, and to defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes they clearly knew what was up there. You know, you, you watch the, the formations that, that they were lining up in, the, the types of pressures that they were trying to bring. NBC has that great overhead shot where they're basically right above the line. And you could just see, I mean, they were just coming for those A-gaps. They were lining guys up there. They looked like they looked like piranhas just, just waiting to kind of feast and, and, and get up the middle there. And and then they, they did some of that six-wide stuff that, that the Rams have had problems with. So I was impressed by their by their defensive uh, strategies and and clearly they were they had an eye toward some of the some of the weaknesses that that the Rams were were going to have in that game but so where do we go from here Vinny you know we talked at the start of the season about that offensive line I think both of us said that it was going to be the key capital T capital K for for the season and it was an offseason where they lost Roger Saffold they lost John Sullivan. That was more of a decision that they made to, to move on to Brian Allen. They bring in uh, two young guys to play at left guard and center. And we said that, you know, they were one injury away from from having a third very young guy in in the lineup. And that's exactly what they have now with, with Demby at, at right guard. So uh, what do you think? Did, did they make a mistake in, in hindsight? And of course, it's hindsight. I, I stipulate that. But did they make a mistake by, by you know, thinking that they could get by with these young guys? Or is this a situation where if these guys play together for another two or three games, they are, are going to be able to develop that rhythm and, and kind of raise the level of their play? Yeah, I, I think that that's the, uh, you know, that's the mindset. That's, that's the idea that they have is that 
it wasn't going to be perfect early on, and it doesn't help obviously that Austin Blythe goes down, and and you know he's a he's a important. There's a reason why they want to re-sign him. He's a good, solid, you know, veteran now right guard. Uh, and it also didn't help uh, that Tyler Higby, uh, you know, was not available yesterday. And I think that um, for any Ram fans that question Austin Blythe and Tyler Higby, I think you got a taste of what life is like without them last night. Uh, there's a nuanced. Um, element to to Tyler's game that goes beyond just the stats, beyond just the obvious stats. He's important when it comes to pass protection. Uh, He's important when it comes to run blocking. And I think you saw uh, the effects of his absence, absence last night. I think that there is a conviction and a confidence that if you just give this offensive line a little bit more time, uh, they'll be able to get it sorted out, and guys will get settled in, and guys will get uh, you know better. Uh, it's still a bit of a leap of faith. Uh, we'll see. It might not happen, um, but I think when it, when it's fully intact, uh, when it's completely healthy, uh, I, I think they'll be good enough. Um, but it it there, there was no way that we could uh, we we could have sat back, you know, last off season saying oh they'll, they'll be completely fine uh, at, at offensive line. There was just you lose two players, you got to replace two players with two uh, new starters. You know, there's there's uncertainty there, and I think we've seen a, a little bit of, uh, of that. I think Brian Allen's playing well, um, and he's got – that's a tough job for a young center, just being able to get everyone on the same page and also do your job. I think he's holding in pretty well. I think Joseph Noteboom needs to get better. Uh, we saw Jamel last night. Um, struggle, um, you know, with some penalties, with some communication, with some with some missed blocks. He needs to get better as well. Uh, but mistake, I don't know. It's the NFL is so tricky with the salary cap, and you have to make hard decisions. Um, and you just have to hope that, again, like you said, that they just get better with time. And and I believe that that's that's the plan, and that's the hope. Yeah, I don't have any issues with Brian Allen. I think he's been, I think he's been solid, and and I think the the Rams thought there clear, clearly was that they were going to have an upgrade, and then that's why that decision was made. So sometimes Saffold and Sullivan get kind of grouped together. Uh, I think those were different situations. I think they clearly saw in Brian Allen they had somebody who could. Uh, you know, be a long-term upgrade and uh, and step in, and, and I think that's been fine. Uh, the the issue that I have is those guards. I, I just I think they left themselves so thin there, and you know, you were one injury away, and and that's what happened. And I think maybe I, I don't know. I, I just I think maybe they they felt you know in the past couple of years they've done such a good job of developing these guys and plugging them plugging them in, and there was probably a little bit of a mindset of well we can do it again. You know, we can get these guys ready just like we've got the other guys ready. But whew, that's that's a that's a very thin line to be walking. And, um, you know, again, Jamil Demby, first game, I'm not going to put too much emphasis on one game. It's it's tough to step in like that. Um, but it, and we'll see what happens with Austin Blythe, how long he's going to be out with that ankle injury. It doesn't look like it's something that's going to be a really long term injury. So so that's good news. And maybe, you know, best case scenario, Demby gets this experience and, uh, you know, that it allows him to, to thrive down the line the next time they, they need him in a role like this, right? Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, reminder, they are 3-0, so they've survived it, um, you know, yeah. while, while the, uh, the line has, has, you know, struggled a little bit. So, you know, if you're an optimist, the line gets better. And if that is the case and you're still 3-0, and imagine what you're going to be, you know, when, when, when they get that sorted out. Um, but, 
you know, it's worth watching the rest of the year because we just, again, we just, we just don't know. Um, you know, we don't know if this offensive line is going to develop into a cohesive, efficient, dependable, um, consistent unit. They haven't been so far, and um, it's uncertain whether they whether they will. Uh, but they have to basically because. Uh, at some point, they're going to have to outscore somebody, like big time outscore somebody. Um, you know, we saw like last year against Kansas City and Minnesota, where you just said, "All right, the defense isn't getting it done. We're going to have to score forty some odd points to win this game." And when I look at this offense right now, I'm not I'm not so sure uh, that they have that capability just yet. Yeah, it's you look at the performance overall, and it's it's not a it's not an awful performance, and 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 I understand that the the, the expectation is sky high, um, but you know he didn't lose them the game, and and he did lead a couple drives that that were very important. Uh, I I also look at the run game, Vinny, and you mentioned that the numbers being so down, and I again I I don't think we should you know re. resurface the same stuff every week, but Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 43 yards, 3.1. To me, it's less about the numbers, those numbers at this point, and more about are are we getting into a situation where Todd just isn't getting into rhythm because of what's going on? I, I I didn't see a lot of the dynamic running uh, that that burst that you we're used to seeing where, where he could just kind of churn through and and either break tackles or, or just not even get touched to, to begin with just not seeing that Vinny and he's not involved in the past game he was targeted one time uh, it didn't catch it so the the usage there is to me different than than just the optics of it and and you're just not seeing him even in those limited times that he gets being that kind of dynamic player. So what, what's the chicken egg here? I mean, is he dynamic because, I mean, sorry, is he, is he less dynamic because he's just not getting the opportunities or is he less dynamic and that's why he's not getting the opportunities? I, I, again, for a third week here, I'm, I'm still having a little trouble kind of figuring that out. Well, I think uh, last night was, uh, for the first time, I was like, he just didn't look like Todd Gurley last night. And I thought that over the first two games, there were definitely moments where he looked, you know, healthy and he looked like Todd Gurley and and had some decisive runs and some big runs. Um, Maybe he didn't get into a rhythm on Sunday against the Browns. Maybe that was uh, the cause for that. But it just, from my vantage point anyway, he just looked... A, a, a step slow last night and that's concerning <laughs> you know that's really that's really concerning on top of the fact that you know there wasn't a lot going up uh going on up front for him uh in terms of the blocking but we've seen him been be able to like you said run through tackles or get to the hole uh quicker and more decisively and, and make up for whatever missed block or 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 not uh you know as crisp blocking going on He's able to. He's got the talent, or has had the talent, to be able to make up for that. That wasn't happening last night, and it's it's worth keeping an eye on moving forward because you know that's that's a pretty big deal. With Todd Gurley, he's not Todd Gurley, um, dynamic wise, athletic wise, speed wise, burst wise. The Rams are going to feel that. Yeah, I saw the same thing, Vinny, and and that's what concerned me a little bit. I know we get we get caught up a lot in the the number of carries and that sort of thing, but you you just didn't really see that. You're, you're so used to seeing Todd just kind of, you know, he finds his hole and then boom, he's just he's gone, and it's you know 15 yards later he's 
he's jumping over guys or he's, you know, breaking tackle or whatever it might be. And uh, you're just not seeing that. But again, I, I know rhythm is such a big part of it for, for these guys. And, and there was that one series there where you saw a glimpse of it. And, and the Rams, I think, went, you know, handoff Gurley, handoff Gurley, and then a play-action play pass that, that worked well. And that was the first time your eyes kind of opened and you went, okay, that's the Rams offense that we're used to seeing. You know, Todd Gurley getting four yards, five yards, Todd Gurley doing it again, and then a play-action pass to, to kind of break the things open a little bit. So, again, I, I'm not real sure what, what the deal is there or, you know, whether or not it's feasible to, to expect uh, anymore, but I was a little surprised again to, to not see Malcolm Brown get a little bit more. Only only three carries, seven yards. I, I thought maybe, especially with the way that that game was was flowing, that they they might be able to use him as kind of that little bit more of a bowling ball guy to to get things moving. But they didn't, like you said, they they passed the ball a lot. Um, so curious to see how how that's going to to, to go forward, but. Vinny, you know, we should talk about something positive with the offense, and and that truly is Cooper Cup. And the, the plays that he makes, everybody knows about his hands, but I'll tell you, Vinny, if there is any question remaining about that knee, you, you look at some of the cuts that he makes and, and even just the subtle moves to get around guys. He's got that move where he kind of like turns his shoulder to evade a tackle and, and ends up cutting back up the field. Uh, to me, if, if you look at that guy, you would never know that he's, what, 10 months removed now from, from ACL surgery. I, I, I can't even imagine where that offense would be without him right now. Yeah, no question. And, you know, it's a tribute to, uh, to, to just his work ethic. Uh, if there was a guy that you knew was going to put the time in to get better and, and to be right uh, in time for the next season, it was Cooper Cup. Uh, I would see him in the locker room last year, uh, you know, in January and even late December, I was like, man, you know, could you get out there and play? He's like, nah, that would be pushing it. But, you know, I'm, I'm working hard and, you know, I'm, I'm right on schedule. He was actually ahead, ahead of schedule even at that point. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he's just a dynamic football player. He was walking through the locker room last night. You know, I was talking to Eric Weddle and, you know, Eric nodded over to him and, you know, you, you feeling good? You're all right. You know, uh, you know, guys ask that to each other after after physical football games. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And and so, you know, Eric turned back to me and I said, that's a pretty good little football player right there. He's like, that dude's a beast. And he's right. I mean, he's a football player uh, in the best sense and in every sense of, of the word. He can run. He can catch. He's smart. He's tough. Um, like you said, he's a, he's an athlete. Uh, so he's he's been basically the Rams MVP so far this year, if you ask offensively anyway. Um, and they leaned on him pretty heavily last night, and, and he delivered it in a major way. For sure. It was impressive to watch. And you, you know anytime Jared Goff gets in a tough situation, you, you know where his eyes are going to go. So, uh, you know, you talk about somebody who can help Jared, I, I think uh, Cooper Cup's at the, the top of that list. But uh, interesting, Vinny, some play calling in this game. And uh, I, I think maybe fortunately for Sean McVay, a, a lot of it is going to fall on the other side and, and people wondering what in the world Freddie Kitchens was doing. I mean, he he's, it's a fourth and nine and he calls a draw and, and then they get down to the four yard line at the end of the game and they go pass, pass, 
pass, pass. When you know you had Nick Chubb there, who was picking up some some pretty decent uh, yardage. The the Vinny, I don't know. The fourth and nine to me was even a little bit more understandable because you go, okay, you know, maybe it's just so weird that, that they're going to catch him off guard, and and you know, Nick Chubb has some wiggle. I, I could see him in an ideal situation <laughs> picking up nine yards in, in that in that uh, scenario. But to be four yards away and you don't even try to put it on the ground or a pitch or or something uh, and you're putting it all in Baker Mayfield's hands, those were some weird calls to me. I mean, was I read one story that said, uh, you know, it was pretty clear that that Wade Phillips was was getting in Freddie Kitchen's head a little bit. Uh, Is that what it looked like to you or what what was the reaction there when I I heard the booze? So I know what the reaction was. But what, what were you thinking when you saw some of that stuff go down? Yeah, they weren't happy. And real quick, I got a shout out to Brandon Cooks too. You know, he had eight catches, 112 yards. He actually had more yards yeah. uh, than Cooper Cup. So uh, kind of a quiet big game for Brandon. But yeah, you're right. Uh, there was a lot of booze last night. There was a lot of head scratching. I think on social media, on that fourth and nine draw call, uh, there was there was genuine question: Did 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 Freddie lose track of the downs? If you remember, there was a double penalty just before that sequence where I wonder if he thought that he was actually looking at a third down than a fourth down uh, because that would have been a good call on, on you know on on uh, or he thought it was a second second down I guess it was third down right we're talking about a third down it was third and what nine right. and he called so the, all the double penalty stuff yeah yeah, yeah so I, I'm I, wondering if he thought it was second down actually uh, um, I don't know I'm losing track just thinking about it so imagine Freddie yeah. so yeah. Uh, but yeah I, it, there was there was a question whether he you know had lost track of the downs it was fourth down now that I think about it um, but then getting to the end zone and not not even trying one time to run the ball even if it's just to catch the Rams a little bit off guard um, pretty surprising so yeah uh, I think you know as I looked at the Browns and this is if there's any Brown fans that are happen to be listening to our podcast I think there's a lot of talent uh, on, on that team uh, no question about that and I think Freddie Kitchens has a chance to be a, a, a pretty good coach but I think there's a lot of growing up that needs to happen uh, both from their their players uh, there was a lot of um, discipline issues I thought uh, stupid penalties that really cost them um, and I think as we saw obviously some questionable play calling. So I think some inexperience uh, on the part of the Browns. They need to uh, grow into the role that everyone sort of uh, hoisted upon them as this next, you know, up and coming, you know, great team in the NFL. Uh, there's there's more than just talent that goes into that, and I think we're seeing some of the growing pains that that can sometimes occur. Uh, but thankfully for the Rams, uh, that <laughs> some of those growing pains uh, helped them last night, including some some really curious calls by by the head coach and the play caller. Yeah, there were a couple with with McVeigh for me, Vinny, yes. and they were kind of late. Uh, everybody has their own things, you know, that that you look at, but uh, they were both in the fourth quarter, and and they might even be on, been on consecutive drives. It's it's you know they were moving the ball pretty well. They had a third and one down in the red zone. I think they were right at the twenty. And they went for a pass and I'm going, hmm, you know, pretty much anything there. (laughs) Quarterback sneak, Malcolm Brown up the middle. um, And it was a situation where I think they were only up by four at that point. So a touchdown kind of, you know, would salt the game away at that point. And uh, they missed on the pass and had to settle for a field goal, which which kept it a seven point game. And then it was the next series that. 
they're up by seven. They have the ball with about four minutes left. You're clearly, clearly in clock killing mode, uh, just trying to get those first downs, run down that clock. And it's third and three at midfield at the Cleveland 46. And they got a little cute, I thought, Vinny, and, and tried that pass to Robert Woods. And, and that's the one that gets picked off and gives Cleveland a, a chance. So how should I look at this, Vinny? A guy like Sean McVay, you know, that's how he makes part of his bones is, you know, he, he calls passes in, in those situations, whether it's play action. He's not just going to go to script and say it's third and short, so I'm going to run the ball. And I get that. And I get that uh, that works out maybe more often than it doesn't. But uh, making too much of that, Vinny, or were, were there any other calls that, that you kind of shook your head at? Or, or what did you even think of those those couple plays? Yeah, I thought on this on those short yarded situations, um, you know, uh, the decisions not to run the ball in a couple of those situations, and I think on one of the ones you were referring to, there was a sack as well that Jared took on a. It might have been a second and short, uh, where it just looked like a nice easy run for for a first down, get your new set of downs, and run some clock, and you know, try to try to score that touchdown. They ended up, I believe, settling for a field goal on that drive, but the sack pushes them back. Then. You know they don't convert on the third down, so um, and I don't know what the reason, what the real reason is for, um, for, for for doing that. Does he not believe that the offensive line is is up to the challenge to get that yard right there? Does he not feel Todd Gurley is up to the challenge to get the yard right there? Um, and 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 does he get too overly aggressive as a result, trying to compensate for that? Um, I don't know, but I do know this, and I know fans are getting, you know, they they they, uh, they get tired of it um, afterwards because Sean always puts it on himself. Uh, I would warn you, uh, Ram fans, to 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 not, you know, I, I would appreciate that if I was a Rams fan that my coach gets up there and says that, and and because a lot of coaches wouldn't, a lot of coaches just don't go there, uh, don't have the confidence in themselves to take some blame, but he does. And, and a a lot of times it is warranted and, but we have to figure out the reasons for why he's shying away from the run in those situations. And, and I don't know, it's hard for me not to be convinced that it's because he doesn't have entire confidence in the offensive line, just to get those couple of, you know, short yardage situations on a run play. Yeah, it's it's an interesting season, and and we're still trying to figure it out. I know people have been critical of of Sean, and and obviously we have been here too. So I'm not putting it all on the on the fans or whatever. But this is not the same season as last season. When you talk about, you know, like we said, the the new offensive line, some uncertainty at running back, and then it's just the fact that. You, you look at these first three games, and these opposing defenses are just kind of throwing the kitchen sink at, at the Rams. And it's not just, they're not just lining up in your basic 4 3 and playing man to man defense. I mean, they are, they are seeing pretty much everything that you can see because these defensive coordinators and these head coaches have said, hey, you know, we're not going to let Sean McVay beat us with all of his, you know, his cute offensive stuff. Um, they, they are really coming up with, with some schemes and some uh, formations and blitzes or whatever it might be. So there's going to have to be a little bit of a readjustment. But, uh, you know, for people who are just kind of, you know, getting really upset and really frustrated, uh, to, to me, Vinny, the answer is if you're still seeing this a month from now, if we're still talking about the same stuff, uh, you know, in late October, I think it's fair to say that's when you can start to worry. Uh, from, from a Rams perspective, 
I'm not particularly worried right now, especially because of the way that that defense is playing. I think all things being equal, you'd, you'd rather have your defense be strong right now and, and have your offense in a position where it needs to kind of come along a little bit. But again, if, if we continue to talk about these same things two or three games down the line, then I think maybe you can worry. Yeah, uh, and and let's give credit to the defensive coordinators in the NFL. I'm sure uh, every opponent on the Rams' schedule uh, paid particular attention and devoted a lot of time uh, this offseason to, you know, uh, looking at them every which way, but Friday, inside, outside, sideways, every which way, uh, to figure out ways to stop them. And we're seeing that some defensive coordinators have come up with some uh, some interesting ways to do that and some successful ways to, to slow them down. Not enough to beat them yet, um, and that's the good news for the Rams, um, but enough to, to make you go, okay, what, what, can the, what do the Rams have to do now uh, to get that fixed and to, to come up with answers to the, to the answers that the defensive coordinators have obviously come up with? And I go back to still execution. I think the Rams, I think everything that, that's going on with the Rams right now is just the inefficiency. Is, it, it's, the efficiency is just not as crisp as it needs to be. Uh, I start with the offensive line. That's where they, need, they really need to get that fixed. Um, and until they do, I think you're still going to see some, some, some struggles and some inconsistency and some lack of rhythm. We've seen that through the first three games. Uh, it's gotten better in spurts. There's been times where it's clicking, and uh, thankfully for them, there were a couple of drives in that second half where they were able to, to find that rhythm to score two touchdowns to be uh, – ultimately, that was the difference in the game. Uh, but for them to start you know, waylaying people like they have been in the past – uh, they certainly need to do that more consistently. Agree, Vinny. Uh, it, it was an interesting game to watch, and it, it gave us a lot to talk about and, and a lot to chew on going forward. So it'll be an interesting game Sunday coming up against Tampa Bay. And uh, obviously, we'll, we'll look forward to breaking that down on our next episode. So, uh, Vinny, we had our, our first guest last week, and uh, this week we had our, our first uh, studio audience. Uh, I apologize. Um, we had some, uh, some uh, maintenance workers, uh, some landscapers outside. So, a special shout out to the wood chipper for, for making an appearance on the podcast. And, oh, sorry about that if it was a little distracting. But, uh, Vinny, enjoyed the breakdown with you. Are, are you looking forward to getting home? Yeah, absolutely, and uh, looking forward to the to the Buccaneers game. I think it's going to be a, a fairly uh, easy operation for the Rams uh, for the first time maybe this season, uh, but but you never know, and, and uh, Tampa Bay's coming off a difficult, tough loss uh, to the Giants. They missed a field goal late. Uh, that could have changed that outcome, uh, so you know they're going to be pretty fired up to come out to Los Angeles and, and, and play the Rams uh but we'll obviously preview that on our Friday episode. And until then, thank you very, very much. We really appreciate the support um, and look forward to talking to you next time. For sure. And uh, if you want to check out our, our friends at Civilized Barking, that's the Cleveland Brands podcast. I, I did a segment segment with uh, Zach Jackson last week, and uh, I'm sure they can give you a, a great perspective from the Cleveland side. If, you, if, you, if you're upset as a Rams fan, you can probably only imagine what it's like to, to be a Browns fan today. And so I, I know Zach will have the full breakdown there on his podcast. So thanks again, everybody, for following us. You can uh, always follow along on Twitter. Vinny is at Vinny Bonsignor. I am at Rich underscore Hammond, and we will be back with you on Friday to break down that Rams-Buccaneers game. So thanks for being with us, and we will talk to you then.